Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 19 of College Football Throwdown, a college football podcast and by college football fans for college football fans. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Good evening, college football fans. Yes, we are here today to talk about the uh, Nebraska-Minnesota game, where for the first time in a while, we're able to be a little bit more positive on the podcast, talk about a win for a change. Isn't that nice? Yes, it is. Thank God. <laughs> um, I wanted to get to something that I we should have mentioned on last week's podcast, but I forgot to because I didn't see it. Um, we had actually had a comment left uh, on our episode 16, which is our recap of the Illinois game. Uh, Steve said, uh, nice job of calmly analyzing our pain and rage. <laughs> so that, that we've we talked a little bit about how we've kind of it's been therapy a little bit these past few weeks but uh, that's right but we're stopping that today for a little that's right a little bit at least that's right exactly no com- no complaints today well well <laughs> yeah knowing you there will be <laughs> <laughs> but before we did it guy dive into that uh, i have our beverage here to crack as is our tradition Okay, let's do it. Ooh, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. We're ready to rock. That's right. Okay, then. So, um, I guess one little thing about this game was that I got to watch this game as it was going live. I got to go down to a bar here in L.A. and watch that and the Michigan-Michigan State game simultaneously. So it was a nice morning for me. Uh, but you got caught up at work and were not able to follow the game as it was going. That's true. I, I ended up missing uh, the first uh, half or so of the game. Uh, had to end up watching it. I've, I've watched it a couple times since then uh, <laughs> uh, on the, the replay of the DVR, but, uh, but didn't get to watch it live play-by-play. Play. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the interesting thing about this game, um, going into our predictions from last week, um, I had predicted, we had talked a lot about how Minnesota's defense was one of their strongest elements, so we were kind of predicting a low-scoring game, and I predicted a victory for Nebraska of 17-14. You gave two scores, one where we didn't adjust from uh, last week's, the previous week's mistakes, and lost 10-28, uh, to and a situation where we won, uh, and we played better, ran the ball more, and we won 28-21. As it turns out, final score 48-25. We were both quite off in uh, that regard. That's true. That's true. We certainly uh, were more productive and cleaner uh, with our offensive system uh, than we've been uh, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, one of Minnesota's greatest attributes was their um, is their ability to cut down on mistakes. We talked about that, how they're just a very good football team that doesn't beat themselves up. Um, but in this game, they actually ended up being minus three in turnovers, two interceptions and one fumble, um, which I'd like to think maybe that part of that was all that uh, training our, our secondary was doing that week in terms of catching interceptions. You know, we <laughs> talked about that. Yes. Well, and, and keep in mind that two of those turnovers were very late in the game when the outcome was for the most part already decided. So that's that, true. I that for- doesn't, that sounds worse than it, it is in terms of turnover. Well, games. but well, there was one turnover. The one interception was like a pick six. Correct. The, the, and it, it led the points that kind of basically finished the scoring. 
Right. And then there was the, and you're, you're right, though, I forgot. The second interception was late of the game, didn't really matter. That was like the last play. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, yeah, looking at the stats for the game, actually, um, we've talked a lot about going over our um, pass attempts versus our rush attempts and mm-hmm. talked about how we like seeing a more rushing-dominated uh, attack. We definitely got that this time. Um, we had 39 rushes for 203 yards and 26 passes for 261 yards. So definitely that kind of 60-40, 70-30-ish split there. Well, not quite 70-30-ish, but yes. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I like to see that. And, I, and what I want to, what I hope to, to see and, 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 and even hear from a philosophical standpoint from our coaching staff, because again, this... Uh, you know, taking these single game snapshots, it's really about what is it that they're wanting to accomplish. And, and coach Riley speaks often about, you know, the desire to have balance, which many coaches talk about, but uh, you know, and I'm hoping that as he uh, gets uh, more comfortable with uh, himself in Lincoln, that he will eventually uh, start to, uh, to evolve that into more of a philosophy of, of saying we, we want to run the ball more than we pass it, but we want to have an effective passing game that is a threat to you know our opponents uh, that they have to respect. Uh, and that, to me, is the ideal kind of philosophical approach to, to offense uh, to have success in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I recall, I believe it was, um, it was early in the game, we were in the red zone in, the, in a position to score a touchdown, and... I think we, we we threw it, I believe, on first down. It didn't go well, and so that kind of got us into this loop where we kind of got stuck doing pass plays and we weren't able to convert, and I think he missed the uh, field goal, if I remember correctly. But then they like they fumbled it deep in their own side, and then we got the ball back, and then we, and then we scored uh, that time. Right, right. Yep, but, that's correct. But it, it it is frustrating because there were there were definitely were I liked overall I definitely liked some of the stuff I saw on our offensive side of the ball in terms of rushing the ball more consistently. But there were times where I definitely questioned the play calling in terms of passing those situations. Remember another like important drive where we like threw a deep ball on first down and it didn't work, and then that kind of got us into this rut where we threw it a bunch of times, and I never. Uh, I'm never a big fan of us like going for the deep ball on first down, you know, because then that kind of gets you into this trap. Almost. Right. Well, uh, uh, you know, let me let me jump on that just a little bit. The the one that I think you're speaking of happened in the third quarter, and and I would like to delve into the the the, the circumstances surrounding that and why that was so so very wrong and bad and and i'm again going to speak negatively about our uh, about langsdorf here a little bit that i think he's still missing the point of of where the angst is from nebraska fans and others who i would consider knowledgeable football fans even football coaches uh is that uh you had just had a situation where you you had a three score lead in a football game and um uh seemed to have control of of the game then the opponent uh, uh, has a, a really efficient and effective drive in which in about five or six plays, they march it down the field uh, and score rather quickly uh, to close the gap, okay, 
to 13 points, okay? So now you're back into just having a two-score lead. You still have like 12 minutes left in the game. This is late, uh, I mean, early in the fourth quarter. So there's 12 minutes left in the game. You know, you still got a comfortable lead, but by no means is the game over and completely out of reach. And you choose after a first down in which you gain 13 or 14 yards on a single rushing play. Your eye back runs for, for, for 13 yards, secures a first down, you're... you're you know, comfortably into the 40-yard line or 35-yard line, something like that, so you're not up against your own end zone or anything. And then you choose at that moment in time, after your defense has just allowed their offense to march it down the field on them, okay, when that defense needs time to, to, to reorganize itself and make sure that it's ready for the next opportunity, what do you do? You, you throw the deep ball, okay, on first down. Now, with with that much time left, number one, you should be thinking about grinding it out. Number two, you don't want to throw the deep ball uh, unless you, you uh, have set it up, meaning that you've ran a series of plays that lead you to believe that that play is going to be wide open. You know, uh, instead, they look at it and, and look at just the my uh, just the specific circumstance of that play, and they say, well, they were loading the box on us, so of course we're going to throw it. Well, okay, go ahead and throw it if they're loading the box on you. Go ahead and throw it, but make it a high-percentage pass that's going to get the ball into somebody's hands at 7 or 12 yards or something, and then let them run the ball after the catch or whatever it takes. But don't throw it deep like that and put yourself in two situations. You shut down the clock, and now you're second and 10, and now you run the risk of doing exactly what happened. We went three and out right there. Hardly ran any time off the clock. Now they've got the ball back with a chance to drive it right back down the field like they did to the previous series, and magically uh, they're within a score. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole tenor. The whole part of that game is, is different. There's probably still eight minutes left in the game or something like that or seven, and they got plenty of time to win this football game. And so you do not give up that football at that point in time. You just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's the message. It's it's much bigger than that that particular Minnesota game. It's it's about having control of the football game and and, and you have to respect what your defensive coaches are trying to do. They just got blasted in five plays. The other team marched at 60, 70 yards for a score. You've got to give that defensive staff some time to figure out what did what was Minnesota's adjustment that allowed them to all of a sudden move the ball so efficiently. Mm-hmm. You know, you you got to figure that out. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I Like I said, my memory of the game is a little more fuzzy now, but I'm remembering that circumstance because watching the game, I was starting to get a little nervous because, like you said, they had just driven it on us. And we have a little bit of a history now of this season of uh, our defense falling apart a little bit in the fourth quarter. And yes. so a 13-point victory was definitely not uh, out of reach given how this season has progressed so far. Right. Um, um, when when you don't have when you don't have defensive backs that 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 are effective at defending uh, the pass and and you know um, adjusting while the ball is in the air to defend the pass, then you are at risk. Especially when teams begin to be more aggressive because now they're up against the clock and they can look at every series of of plays as a four down series. It's no longer three downs and I'm punting it. It's now I've got four downs to get ten yards because. I'm running out of time. And so that totally changes the dynamic of every defense in, in football when, when, co- when, when that desperation starts to come in because of the, the clock. 
Yeah. And and you have to anticipate. That's why so many games end up with frenetic scoring at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we saw a lot of that this week, too, actually, when we get to our more national podcast. We can yes. talk about that. Yes. But um, the to to praise the defense now that we've uh, ragged on them slightly, uh, overall, I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of uh, defending the pass. Like you said, there were a couple drives where they uh, they things kind of fell apart a little bit. But uh, but overall, I mean, we stuffed their run pretty successfully, and then there were quite a number of individually good plays by some of our uh, secondary guys that definitely left me feeling better. And then the fact that they got those turnovers for us, which was definitely at critical points where it helped to have those turnovers, you know, and that was led to points. So our defense was definitely a big contributing factor to our victory. Absolutely. And well, and just playing clean, not having, you know, dumb mental errors. uh, And that goes to the offense too, but, but particularly the defense, they didn't have as many of the personal foul or, uh, you know, uh, pass interference penalties, you know, all those kinds of things. So um, uh, yeah, there was a lot to like about this victory in terms of, of seeing progress. Uh, I would say also that our defensive line, um, you know, granted, uh, you know, there was a lot of conversation about Minnesota's offensive line being in shambles uh, in ter- due to injuries. And as a result, our, our defensive line was able to really control things um, throughout most of the game. And Minnesota never was able to establish a running game. And we put quite a bit of pressure. Man, we hit their quarterback pretty dang hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that kid was tough because, because Malik Collins hit him as he was throwing the football about four or five times that I can recall. And uh, I mean soundly, solidly. So, um, you know, we, we do that sort of stuff, and a lot of times quarterbacks will start making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that was another thing I want to mention. You know, we had two penalties for 25 yards in the game, which is a huge difference compared to, you know, earlier in the season. And I definitely like seeing, like you say, that more clean style of play on the offense and the defense, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, there's a bunch to, to, to glean from this that is that is really positive. But at this point, you know, one game does not a trend make. And so what I'm anxious to see is can we turn around and at a, in our home crowd where there's a little bit more tension in the air? You know, Nebraska fans, uh, there's a there's an anxiety that exists when Nebraska fans aren't aren't confident that they have a superior team there's an anxiety in the air there that isn't always positive for the players because they don't feel, you know, they're more, it makes them nervous too. And so I'm, I'm going to be really anxious to see how we perform at home against the Northwestern team. That's probably going to feel like their backs are against the wall too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I remember just a few podcasts ago, I was talking about how I was really scared of Northwestern because they were looking pretty, dominant in a lot of their victories and now they've had uh, two losses in a row if I'm not mistaken that have kind of taken them down a peg yes absolutely well what what's been exposed I think is that their their offense their quarterback is 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 up and down young kid still learning uh, making some bad decisions here uh, against you know big 10 level defenses that he wasn't making maybe earlier in the year and then I think from an offensive line standpoint they just haven't been able to move the the defenses that they've played the last two weeks uh, you know Iowa's uh, defense was able to keep their running game pretty much in check uh, and uh, and then from a passing standpoint that young 
that young quarterback without the support of a, of a, of a running game just wasn't able to do much. Um, now, probably the bigger surprise for Northwestern is that their defense has seemed uh, a, a little bit uh, weak here in the last couple of weeks uh, where they've given up a lot of points to Michigan and uh, Iowa. Now, I will tell you, both of those teams run the football very effectively. And, and so part of it is Northwestern is getting beaten by teams that are willing to line up with a fullback and, and you know, tight ends and power football it and down their throat. And, and Northwestern hasn't handled that very well. I'm hopeful that we will see that and try to emulate that same uh, game plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one quick comment about the uh, the Minnesota game that just came to my head. Uh, great catch uh, by Alonzo Moore, that long pass that uh, that Martinez threw. Yes. Or not, not Martinez. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Armstrong. Armstrong, thank you. I'm getting my head com- discombobulated. That great great catch he made even though it was pretty well covered honestly by the minnesota guy but he just jumped up there made the catch it's awesome love that right absolutely it was a good catch and and it, but but again it was an interesting thing because it was the uh um uh you know the results uh, were were more positive but the circumstance was the exact same thing that that tommy had done before in the in the miami game where he had scrambled out of the pocket, broken play, saw an open receiver, and heaved it down the field and threw it to the deep receiver, not to the short receiver. He had a tight end in front of him that he could have thrown it to that would have gotten him a first down. Probably not a touchdown, but a first down. Mm -hmm. And instead, he chose to throw it to the deep guy. In this case, it paid off. It worked. But recall, it was not such a positive result in the Miami game. True. Well, so, I'd like to, because if I recall right, in that Miami game, the deep guy was open. Like, if he could have gotten was. the ball to him, that would have been a touchdown. Precisely, uh, yes. So I got to hope that that means that uh, he, this he's been in practice and stuff, probably and partially because of that loss, drilling himself to, in those situations, situate his body right you know and throw that ball with the proper strength it needs you know that's what i hope it is rather than just a repeated you know bad decision making kind of problem right yeah no i I agree with you it's about physically can you do it if you can do it then you make that throw certainly because the player was open but it's it's an issue of can you consistently make the throw Mm -hmm. you know um and so we'll see uh, you know how this transpires over time, but certainly he was able to play. And I, I love the fact that we ran the football with Tommy. I mean, he had designed runs. You know, the the, the scheme definitely evolved and how they were utilizing Tommy. And I think it it was a simplified uh, system with uh, fewer progression decisions that he had to go through with his passing uh, and and a lot more movement where he was rolled out. Uh, he was in situations where he had a run pass uh, op- opportunity and he chose that run pass opportunity very effectively during the course of the Minnesota game. There were a number of times where he could have thrown it, but he tucked it and ran it. And almost every time he did that, it was positive. There was one time where he got tripped up rather quickly and only gained a couple of yards. But uh, most on most occasions, he got first downs. And to me, that's the key. Just get the first downs. If you watch Iowa in that Iowa-Northwestern game, as I was watching that, the thing that I'm impressed with about Iowa is that's what they do. They, their quarterback and their overall system is about just get the first downs and the touchdowns will take care of themselves. Just get the first downs 
and control the line of scrimmage, and you'll be fine. And I and I I would like for Nebraska's offensive system to evolve further in that direction. We have more playmakers. Don't get me wrong. We have more playmakers, and we want to take advantage of them. But but you've got to pick your spots like we did against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with all that. You know, more more control, and like you say, you know, like we were talking about before, you know, you don't always have to go for the deep ball. You know, sometimes just focusing on getting the first down is the right mm-hmm. decision. Right. Exactly. So exactly. T- talking about the Northwestern game, then, like you said, um, I we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, I believe, but uh, now that we've you know done this good victory, solid victory against Minnesota. Um, now we have to turn it into a trend, like we were saying. You know, one one game, a trend doesn't come from just one game, but if we can make it two games, you know, and we get a solid victory, maybe we can start calling it that. Uh, so I certainly think this would be a good time to do it, especially because we got Northwestern, and then we've got Purdue the week after that, and then the Michigan State game, which, uh, barring some unusual circumstance, will probably be a loss. So it would be good to have two wins uh, leading up to that to, uh, to kind of cushion us a little bit. Right. Well, and just build confidence and at least put us in a position where, where our team can go into that game against Michigan State thinking that they have a chance to win. And number two, uh, that they've got five wins and a reasonable uh, uh, optimism that they're going to get to six uh, so that they can um, go bowling. Um, Go, yeah, go to a bowl game and, and get those extra 15 practices, you know, and get that experience for those players and all those things that are really important to building your program for the future. Exactly. Um, so, talk about the Northwestern game then, I guess. Um, what are your predictions for how you think the game is going to go um, in terms of what we need to do? to win obviously we just, we already talked about how their rush defense has kind of been shown as a weak point so if we can take advantage of that that would certainly be in our favor yes I, I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that we have a game plan that's going to be uh that's going to look very similar to what we did at at um minnesota where we try to um uh, certainly throw the football some but we run the ball with some authority we make a pretty effective use uh, or frequent use i should say of our fullback uh, um, uh, formations where we we both give the ball to janovich and we use him as a as a lead blocker uh to help with some counter actions and things of that nature we saw more quarterback counter against minnesota than we had seen in a while uh maybe ever this year um we we saw some uh, better use, I think, of the that uh, uh, zip sweep that we do with the wide receiver. Uh, we even uh, did some reverse type actions, which obviously might lead to some things uh, that they've got up their sleeves for down the road. Um, uh, so I'd like to see a, lo- a lot of that sort of stuff happening to, to kind of keep Northwestern's defense off balance. Mm-hmm. And if we do that effectively, then I think we will move the football and score some points. Then uh, on the other side of the ball, I would look for us to to um, uh, they're going to try to throw the football on us because everybody has has done so effectively. And um, we need to tighten up. Uh, We're still, uh, I think, way too um, we we give way too much space on on the wide receivers in terms of uh, not playing uh, up a little tighter in coverage. I mean, I get that we're playing this quarters defense where there's a little bit more aggression. And um, um, and as a result, 
you know, you don't have those safeties to, to take care of you over the top like we did with Bo Pelini's defense. And so, so those corners are on an island. But I don't believe that Northwestern's wide receivers are that great. And as a result, I believe that we should be able to match up pretty well with them and run with them. And they've got a, we've got a young quarterback here uh, at Northwestern that I don't think is very good uh, at throwing the football yet. I mean, he will be, but I, I think his decision-making is what a typical freshman's is, you know. Mm-hmm. And something you said brought up a question in my mind. Um, you talk about the adjustments that you saw even, you know, in the week before that was between the Wisconsin game and the Minnesota game. Um, so do you think that this kind of uh, string of uh, difficulty that Nebraska's had with these early games with Mike Riley is a combination of uh, him and his coaching staff having to learn more about like what our t- what the team they have is and what they have to work with as well as the team itself getting the experience of playing the system in actual games and you know adjusting their uh, their play accordingly you know do you think it is kind of a symptom of us just being too new and not fully prepared you know at the uh, start of the season you know to answer your question Alex I would say yes to all of those things and I would add another important element I think coach Langsdorf our our offensive coordinator is also evolving and learning uh, as well I think he is he is figuring out what works you know, and and getting more comfortable with play calling, he's actually uh, uh, you know does a pretty good job in terms of his passing game. You know, when you look at the progressions and you look at how wide open our receivers are a lot, I mean, we're doing some things right offensively. You know, uh, so I'm I'm excited about what that represents and means. But where what I'm hoping continues to evolve is this is this comfort level, and maybe it is. You know, the, the kids getting uh, more comfortable with it, but it's also about Langsdorf getting more comfortable about the kinds of plays that work and the kinds of plays that Tommy can run effectively. And, and as both, of the, both the coaches and the players get a better feel for how to uh, execute this system, I mean, you can clearly see we can be productive offensively. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, defensively, I've, I've, we've seen improvement. And, and if we can get some guys healthy, if we can get a few more of those defensive tackles back, keep in mind, we, we, have, we have like three defensive linemen that, are, that were key contributors early in the season that are still out and are not playing. And uh, some of those guys start coming back, and, and some of the linebackers that were injured start coming back. And Daniel Davey from the secondary, you know, might, might be coming back here soon. You know, if, as those kids start getting back into the fold, all of a sudden we're going to have more options because we've already seen some kids step up and play and show that they could, they could contribute. So now our depth all of a sudden is better, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, so time predictions time. Uh, what do okay. you think the score of the Northwestern-Nebraska game is going to be? I'm personally going to predict a score of 35-21. I think we uh, beat them. I think it's p- probably a close game up and through, let's say, like midway through the third quarter, something like that, or into the fourth quarter. But I think near the end there, hopefully our physicality, you know, if we have been running the ball and we have been trying to get to the quarterback, you know, kind of frazzle him up a bit because he is young, like you say, you know, that starts to pay some dividends for us in the fourth quarter and we kind of pull away with a solid victory. Wow. You know, I, I would like to think we could do that as well. Um, 
and and actually your score would be probably pretty close to what I would say. Uh, but I'm going to lean uh, to the conservative. I'm going to I'm going to suggest to you that that uh, because I haven't seen it yet, that we're you know the 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 uh, um, anxiety will be a little higher since it's a home game. I think we're going to have more penalties. We're not going to look as clean and crisp as we did last week, uh, but we'll still be good enough, and I think we win the game. But I'm going to say it's 35-28. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of an interesting phenomenon to think that we just went on the road to Minnesota and played our cleanest game yet, and we're worried about you know not playing this that well when we're in our own on our own turf, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, I haven't been following the Nebraska, you know, fan base as much, uh, as you, but I would hope that there's a little bit more faith now that we finally gotten a victory after this kind of string of losses. Well, I think there's, I think there's a good percentage of, of fans that, that are optimistic and, and can kind of see what these coaches are trying to get accomplished and, and, and understand the limitations, frankly, <clears throat> that exists, you know, with with the current staff and uh, uh, and the current roster of players. I mean, we, we're 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 starting two defensive ends that are walk-ons right now. We've moved a defensive end to defensive tackle because we've had so many injuries. Um, so we've got a lot of things going on here that are working against us in terms of being able to build, um, uh, you know, continuity and ultimately uh, a defense that's um, uh, working the way it's supposed to work. You know, so. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, us getting some of those players back and us uh, being able to start to see that our linebacker play has been good. I think we saw the best safety uh, secondary play against uh, Minnesota that we've seen all season. So uh, if we can continue to progress, hey, all of a sudden this defense starts to look a little better because mm-hmm. yeah. our run defense has been great. Yeah, well. But like we said in the past, parts that part of that is because everyone's been trying to pass it over us because they know that <laughs> works. But at the same time, I mean, I talked on previous game, uh, so previous podcasts, I should say, how uh, our defense was actually like keeping us in some games, and it was our offense that was really struggling. And the fact that the offense was going three and out, three and out, meant our defense was on the field too much, you yep. know. And I think we saw in this Minnesota game that when the offense has some drives and is able to eat some clock and score some points, you know, that gives the defense, like you said, that time to recover after, you know, making some mistakes and adjust and, you know, continue to play well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that assessment. All right. So uh, thank you out there for listening, Husker fans. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. You can find us on the Podomatic website where footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. We're also on the Podomatic app as well as iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. Give us ratings and reviews. You can comment on the Podomatic page. And we always like hearing feedback from fans, whether it's positive or negative. We're always available for constructive criticism. And uh, I want to thank you, Dad, for joining me for this uh, good old recap podcast. Absolutely. Let's let's uh, let's do this again, and let's hopefully hopefully uh, be uh, equally positive in, a, in uh, next week's podcast because of another Husker victory. That's right. Go big red. Go big red. Go big red.